Those Who Trust. Awesome song. And, uh, and as we go into this teaching, though, God, God's word shows that he is faithful, and yet our experience is that sometimes it's hard to trust him. Uh, a few weeks ago, I was meeting with Rabbi Steve, and uh, I was telling him that right now it was kind of hard for me to pray. I'd gotten an email about uh, a friend of mine who is dealing with cancer, and I, I was struggling to have faith in the situation, to pray with faith, just to trust God with it, because I'm naturally cynical. Uh, in every situation, I, I'm just naturally like, God's in control, but it's still going to be painful, bad things are still going to happen, and my attitude, it's easy for me to lack hope and faith and trusting in God. And I think lots of times it's especially difficult to trust God when we've had similar situations that have not turned out well, that have been painful. And as I think about hopes that have been crushed, I think about the passage in Luke that we're going to look at today, but I also think about the Torah portion. And I'll, as, I'll talk a little bit about it as I open up the ark. And in this week's Torah portion, we see the year of Jubilee. And it's this awesome reset that God gives where if you were enslaved, you're set free. If you were an indentured servant, you're released. If you were evicted from your home, you go back. If you lost your home, if you lost your land, your livelihood, it was restored to you. It had such high hopes of being this taste of heaven on earth. And yet the Jewish people, our people, didn't really follow this year of Jubilee and things like that. The Haftor portion is in Jeremiah. And I look at Jeremiah, and it's one of those stories I see with crushed hope. In Jeremiah 34, it says that the word of the Lord came to him to go up to the king because the king had said, it's the year of Jubilee, and we're now going to set you free. If you've been in bondage, if you've been enslaved, you're now going to be free. And then a little while later, him and the nobles and the leaders of the Rand said, uh, we take that back. They re-enslaved the people. They re-kicked people out of their home. They retook them back into indentured servitude. I can't imagine what that was like to, to think for a second, you're free, you can breathe, and then it's gone. And I think that the disciples were facing a similar moment in Luke 24. Last week, Rabbi Steve spoke about the death, the torture, and the crucifixion of Yeshua, and this week the disciples are living in that aftermath. In Luke 24, we see that two of these disciples, they're walking from Jerusalem where they had been back home to a village seven miles outside of Jerusalem. And as they're walking, a, a fellow traveler meets them and he asks them what they're talking about and what's happening. And as he listens to them, he sees this deep sadness and gloom in their eyes. And they tell him that they had been following this person they had hoped to be the Messiah, the one they hoped would redeem Israel and liberate them. But the one that they hoped would free them from the Romans was killed by the Romans. The one they thought would be crowned as the king of Israel was rejected by the leaders of Israel. The one they thought who would be set free had been captured and tortured. And they're left with this crushed hope. They're left with these dreams dashed. And they say, on top of it, it's the third day. If there was any hope, 
that door has been shut. That ship has sailed. It's sealed in stone. He's dead. And it's in that moment of despair and that moment of crushed hope that, that we see the mystery of the dead Messiah. And it's in this moment that Yeshua reveals to them that he's been resurrected. It's, he travels on the road with them. He explains the scriptures to them. And then afterwards, they invite him in to have dinner with him because it's getting late at night. He says the bracha. And it says that as he said this blessing, as he broke the bread, they recognized him. It was as if when he was saying, blessed are you, Lord our God, king of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth, they open their eyes from praying, and they see that this is the risen Messiah taken from the earth, raised to life. And we have the mystery of the dead Messiah. And in this passage, as I read it in Luke chapter 24, Luke wants to drive three things home to the readers. Because he's writing to a man named Theophilus, and he writes to him, listen, you've been taught these words about Yeshua. You've been taught that he's the Messiah, taught that he was resurrected from the dead. But I don't want it to just be words to you, something that you were taught, something you just believed because you were told. I want you to know that it's true. I want you to know that I carefully investigated these things to see what actually happened. And as he looked at the story of the resurrection, he wanted Theophilus to know three things. One, that he, Yeshua had died and resurrected according to the scriptures. Two, that it was a physical resurrection. And three, in order to receive it, we need the Holy Spirit. The first thing he says to him is that it had, it, this was according to the scriptures. Because as skeptics, and we look at that passage, or if you're cynical, or if you have doubts, you look at that passage, and there's other explanations of what could have happened after Yeshua died. Could this have just been a legend that developed over the years after Yeshua died? Could it be that in this moment, that the disciples, after seeing their Messiah had died, were psychologically vulnerable to being tricked, or to hallucination, or to tricking themselves into thinking that Yeshua had rose back from the dead? And Luke wants to let Theophilus know, and he wants to let us know today, that this idea of the resurrection wasn't just an idea that could have been conjured up as a lie for the disciples after they'd been scattered. It, it couldn't just be a legend that developed, but that it was in the scriptures in themselves. That it was a mystery hidden for ages and generations that was just now being revealed. As we look at this mystery of the dead Messiah, I also want to take us on a tale of three sages, of three rabbis. And the first one is Daniel Boyarin. You might have heard of him. He wrote a book, The Jewish Gospels, The Story of the Jewish Christ. And Daniel Boyarin is a Talmudic scholar at UC Berkeley. He's a conservative rabbi. And he writes about this idea that he says the idea of, the, the idea of a divine Messiah who would suffer and die and resurrected was within Judaism, that it was taught in the scriptures. And he brings up the idea that when Yeshua talks about the Son of Man, he isn't taking that out of thin air. It's in the prophet Daniel. And he writes about that in, two, in 2008, archaeologists in Israel found a stone tablet. They had found the Dead Sea Scrolls, but now they found a stone tablet that was dated before Yeshua, like in the decade or so before Yeshua. And it talks about a Messiah who would die and be resurrected three days later. And as, and as we look at the scriptures and as we look at what Daniel Boyarin says and other scholars, we can see 
that it just wasn't an idea that the disciples came up with because they were wondering what to do next. It wasn't just a legend that developed uh, in the second and third centuries, but that from the beginning, the Jewish scriptures, the Tanakh teaches that the Messiah would suffer and die and be resurrected. And that as we look at that, we have confidence that this is something God spoke about a long time ago, thousands of years ago, hundreds of years before Yeshua. But it's interesting as we look at that, we can see that even though it was in the scriptures, not everyone recognizes it. And I can't help but think about what Yeshua told in Luke chapter 16. He told this parable about Lazarus and a rich man. And after the rich man dies, God holds him accountable for his life. And it says he's in Sheol and he looks up and he sees Lazarus with Abraham in paradise. And he says to them, look, if you could only just go to my brothers and let them know that this whole heaven and hell thing is real. If you could just let them know that God is going to you know, judge us for how we live. If you, if you could just go and tell them that, I would appreciate it. And Abraham says, the reality is if they don't believe Moses and the prophets, they won't believe it if someone comes back from the dead. It's got this huge irony as Yeshua tells this story. That if we don't believe the scriptures, we're not going to believe it even if it's right in front of us. And the first challenge that Luke gives to his, uh, his reader, the first challenge that we have, is that first and foremost, before we even look at the evidence for the resurrection, before we even think about it, we've got to realize, are we going to take the word of God seriously? Are we going to look at the scriptures and see that just like Yeshua says in Luke 24, everything in the Torah the prophets, and the writings point to him. And so as we look at the resurrection to see, do we just believe a fairy tale or do we believe truth? The first thing is that this was something prophesied in the scriptures. But the second thing is that there's evidence for this resurrection, that this actually happened. The second thing that Luke wants the disciples to know is that Yeshua physically resurrected. He comes to them, he says, Shalom Aleichem, peace be to you, what's up? And they're startled, they're scared. And he says, I'm not a ghost, give me some food. You, you got any food? And they give him food and, they can, and he tells them, look, a ghost can't eat. A ghost doesn't have flesh and blood, but I am really here. And over and over again in Luke 24, Luke is emphasizing Yeshua physically rose from the dead. This is historical truth. When I, before I went to college, my grandfather told me, he said, look, you grew up in a religious home, your parents did ministry stuff, but when you're in college, you're going to find the truth. He said, when you're in college, you're going to study and look at things, and you'll realize that lots of times these religious stories, whether it's Hinduism or Judaism or Christianity, it's just fairy tales that hold you back. And yet, the crazy thing is, is if we actually look at the facts and the evidence surrounding the death of Yeshua, the most logical explanation, one that we can't just throw aside, is that he actually rose from the dead. As we look at Yeshua, we can see how God gave us evidence in the timing of, of his coming, that he came at the right time with, with man, where people were writing things down and keeping records, that there is so much evidence for the life and death of Yeshua that there's more in historical documents about the fact that Yeshua lived and died 
than about Tiberius Caesar, the second emperor of Rome. And that even skeptical scholars who don't believe in Yeshua, that he was the Messiah, like Bar Ehrman or, or different ones like that, they'll say that the death of Yeshua is one of the most certain facts of history. That of all the things in history, this is the one, one with most, one of the most backing that we know he died. And that we know that his disciples believed he rose from the dead. That the, that the disciples who were scattered and afraid and lost and crushed with despair were then transformed and spoke a message with power and lived a life with power that was undeniable. And that even skeptics like Yeshua's brother Jacob or James turned from thinking his brother was crazy to becoming a pillar of the Messianic community in Jerusalem. That even educated rabbinic scholars like Paul turned from persecuting and marginalizing the Messianic community to coming to faith. And when we look at those stories of transformation in the first century, we can see that the facts actually point to the physical, historical evidence that Yeshua rose from the dead. That this wasn't a legend that developed afterwards, but as you look at it, even skeptical scholars date the idea that the disciples believed he rose from the dead to within five years of Yeshua's death. That it wasn't something that came up hundreds of years later, but that in that lifetime, they believed that Yeshua had rose from the dead. And Paul wants his readers to know, and God wants us to know today, that our faith is backed in the scriptures, but there's also historical evidence that our faith goes beyond reason, but it's not contrary to reason. And as we look at history, as we look at science, as we look at philosophy, all of these things are not in contradiction to Yeshua, but they actually show the greatness of Yeshua. And then the last thing Luke wants his, wants his readers to know is that we need the Holy Spirit. In the passage where we began, where these two travelers on the road and they're met by another traveler who asked them what's happening, it says that it was Yeshua but they couldn't recognize him. It was kept from him. And then at the breaking of the matzah, they recognized him. It was a symbol that just like they couldn't recognize him in the road, they couldn't recognize him in the scriptures, but Yeshua had to open their eyes to him and open their eyes to the scriptures. And then when Yeshua reveals himself to the 12 disciples, it again says, and he opened their eyes to understand the scriptures. And then he says to them after he's opened their eyes, you're going to be my witnesses from Jerusalem to all the nations of the earth, but first wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Holy Spirit. Apart from Yeshua opening their eyes, they never would have seen. Apart from the move of God's Holy Spirit, it doesn't matter how much evidence we see. It doesn't ma matter how much messianic prophecy we see. Unless the Holy Spirit opens our eyes, we're not going to see it. Unfortunately, as humans, we have so many biases and blind spots that we miss it. And yet, in this passage, Yeshua says, wait for the Holy Spirit because it is only Him who can open eyes. Unfortunately, we see how, in this passage, how their biases and blind spots prevented them from believing the truth of Messianic prophecy, how it prevented them from believing the report of the women who were the first witnesses of Yeshua's resurrection. But Yeshua says to them, wait, because the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. And when he comes, you know this is true. Because the, 
what we see in Messianic prophecy, what we see in the evidence for the resurrection, it's circumstantial evidence. It, pu it puts Yeshua right there. It's evidence. But, what, we, but it, what it doesn't give is eyewitness testimony. But when the Holy Spirit speaks to our hearts, he confirms the truth of what's written and he opens our eyes. And as Yeshua writes this to his disciples, he says, before you can tell others this good news, wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon you. Wait for the Holy Spirit to come. And it's a challenge for us that in following Yeshua, in wrestling with doubt, in wrestling with times when our hope feels crushed, in wanting to share our faith with those we love, that above everything else, we need the Holy Spirit to come in and open eyes. And the good news is that the same Spirit that rose Yeshua from the dead now lives among us, and He can open our eyes. And so I think about that as we're going into these 10 days of prayer and fasting that Rabbi Steve has had, it was those 10 days in the first century that the disciples waited. We're at day 37 right now. Day 40 is coming up. In the first century, it was on day 40 that Yeshua rose to heaven. And then it was on day 50 that the Spirit came. And as we're in these last few days of counting the Omer, I think it's God's invitation to us to ask for His Spirit and to allow his spirit to move. Because the same spirit who rose Yeshua from the dead, the same spirit who transformed the disciples from those with crushed hopes to powerful proclaimers of the good news, the same spirit who turned the heart of Rabbi Paul is the same spirit who can move in our lives in our community today. And he is willing if we'll invite him and ask him to. And so if you would join me in prayer. Father, we thank you that you are a good God. That you don't ask us to follow you on blind faith, but that you have shown us time and time again that you are a faithful God. That you have given us the scriptures. That you have revealed in, in history the evidence for the resurrection and that you pour out your spirit upon us. And God, let us not waste these days of counting the Omer. But God, give us greater hope, greater expectancy to see your spirit move in our lives and to know that the one who rose Yeshua from the dead lives among us. In Yeshua's name, amen.